0: Uh, because the most important serving is done by the serving master. And uh, we just saw on, uh, on the PowerPoint screens there uh, a verse from Mark's Gospel. Uh, if you want to look at it in the Bibles, you can do. Uh, it's on page 1015 in the Church Bibles, and it's from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. So page 1015. It's on the right-hand side of the page. Um, almost kind of halfway down. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We'll think in a moment about the kind of context of that, where where that came from, why he was saying that. But it was a really shocking thing. For Jesus to be saved. Son of man is a, a title used by Jesus to refer to himself. Uh, and it has its roots ultimately in one of the Old Testament prophets. A prophet called Daniel. And uh, he writes in Daniel chapter 7. You don't need to turn to this but you can if you want. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 to 14. Daniel writes. In my vision at night I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days as a kind of description of God and and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, Jesus was a man. But he was not just a man. He was the one who'd appeared in Daniel's vision. He appeared in human form, like a son of man. Although he's the Lord's anointed king, the Messiah, the Christ. He's the one who has this this authority, this glory, this sovereign power. Every nation worshipping him. He's the one whose dominion, whose reign lasts forever and will not ever pass away. He's the one, the Son of Man, who came. He chose to come. And even he, Jesus said, even he, though he had the right above anyone ever to to be served, though he had all the right in the whole universe to be served, he's the one, even he, who came to serve. And he served by giving his life, giving up everything. He poured himself out, even to death. A shameful death, even death on the cross. The death of, of a scum, executed as a criminal, though he was innocent. But he did this, he says, as a ransom, to give himself his life as a ransom for many. And this word is kind of used for, for commonly for the purchase price of freeing slaves. Jesus gave his life as a price to free slaves, not, not people from literal slavery, but to free people from the slavery to sin and to death. He gave his life for them. He was a substitute. He was doing it as an exchange. And it was for many. There were vast, immeasurable effects of this. Isaiah had prophesied in chapter 53 that the Lord's servant will justify many. He bore the sins of many. This is who Jesus is. This is the Lord who we serve. He's the serving master. He's the one who could have just lapped up all the praise and all the serving. But he emptied himself, poured himself out, humbled himself to death on a cross to serve many, to bear the sin of many. And the most important question this morning is do we know ourselves in that number, in that many Are we among those who Jesus has paid the price to set us free by his substitution we did? He invites all of us, whoever, whoever we are, whatever our background, whatever's going on in our life, whatever has gone on in our life, whoever we are, wherever we are, he invites us and he won't turn us away. He invites us to come to him, to trust him, to put our faith in him, to follow him. To trust in his death on our behalf. But all of this turns around, it turns on its head, our approach to serving. Jesus serves us before ever we serve him. He serves us. His role is to serve. Our role is to be ransomed like a helpless slave. Who can't buy themselves out, who can't get their freedom, who can't do anything to help themselves. His role is to serve. Our role is to be ransomed. His service comes first. I wonder, uh, as you kind of looked at those PowerPoint images, where you kind of were thinking, where you, how you feel about the one you're serving. But he doesn't want you to serve uh, out of duty, he doesn't want you to serve out of feeling like you've got to earn his favour. He doesn't want you to serve like he's a boss who, who need, you need him to kind of say well done. And some of those images on there. That's not why he wants us to serve. He's the one who served us first. He gave himself first. And uh, he doesn't want our service at the expense of our joy in him either. And there's kind of all sorts of things. We haven't got time this morning. There's all sorts of things we can explore about why we serve and and, and kind of the problems with that and and how we can kind of grind ourselves down, how we can squeeze out our joy in Jesus in our serving. He doesn't want that. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. We'll think a bit more about that a bit later on. But there is an example here for us to serve. The context of this verse in Mark 10 is kind of, if you've still got it open, starts kind of really in verse 35 of Mark 10. Uh, Then James and John, two of Jesus' followers, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. It's Mark thirty-five, Mark 10, verse 35. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so if even jesus humbled himself to serve it follows that those who follow him must also become servants good enough for him good enough for us right so he is the serving master but we are to be we are to be um, sorry we are to be serving the master he's the one who came to serve but we ought to be like him we ought to have that same attitude and that same heart and uh, one of the places we could go to see an example of this is is in Romans chapter 12 Uh, there in Romans chapter 12 Uh, which is on page, I haven't got it, sorry, 1,139, thank you, page 1,139. And there in Romans chapter 12, we kind of see this conclusion on the basis of all that God has done in Jesus. Therefore, verse 1 of Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So our serving is is part of our worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Claim to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need practice hospitality let's kind of remember this is always motivated by by god's mercy by his grace by what he's done for us freely in christ who came to serve but yet it follows that we will serve uh, in response as part of our response of worship and this picture here is a picture of a people a body pouring themselves isn't out isn't it serving in the ways they've been called to serve using the gifts they've been given and doing it with fervour, with kind of oomph, uh, putting their all into it, serving the Lord. And, uh, you know, that's costly as well, isn't it? The language of sacrifice is there. Well, so it was costly for the Lord, for Jesus, serving Master. Uh, we just have a little kind of uh, interlude, kind of now, uh, as we have a real life example um, of, a, uh, of a of a servant. Um, here he is, he's coming up here this is Ardell, if you don't know him
1: he's Ardell, if
0: you do know him Um Tustin. Tustin. Yeah. cool, uh, so I just want to ask you kind of, you serve in a number of ways in, in church most of us will be aware of that I want to ask you why that is and what kind of motivates you to do what you do ok ok um,
1: if I probably just take it back a bit. In 2003, I experienced a vision with God, and that's how I became a Christian. My impression of God in the beginning was, and you might have saw from some of the pictures, a very taskmaster-oriented, someone who criticizes you for every mistake. But in my encounter with God, and as I began to read the Bible, I, I saw what God was like, his character, and I experienced Jesus. And that when I realized... He was a, a, a servant, someone who came across and helped the needy. He went out and, and, and dealt with people. He washed his disciples' feet. I was like, wow, this is an amazing character. This is not who I, I thought God was. And I think that set the example for me to say, actually, that's what I want to be like. That's what I want to model. And that's what I want to do. I want to serve because God served me before I even knew him. So that's kind of what my motivation was, just looking at the character of Jesus and seeing all that he's done. And I think you touched on it before because he loved me even before I knew him. He died for me even before I knew him. I just felt humbled by that and it just inspired me to want to go forth and just help others as he's helped me. Great.
0: That's cool. Thank you. Um, we agree with each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what gives you most joy is? Uh,
1: I think just the fact that knowing in whatever I'm doing, whether it's visible or non-visible, I'm worshiping God in that instance. So some of you might be aware after church, I go about, I might straighten the books. I'll be very prestigious about straightening the chairs, making sure they're all lined up. And it might seem a bit over the top, but sometimes I'm just really excited, saying I'm worshipping God by making sure the place looks good. I'm worshipping God by making sure uh, the parents, are, or the kids are aware of what time it is. I'm worshipping God in every small aspect I do, and knowing that it's something that's pleasing for him in the simple tasks that I could do. Um, just, yeah, it really excites me. Cool.
0: That is kind of like a, an inspiring... Um, Testimony of kind of you know, a great yeah. reason and great thing to be enjoying worshiping while we're serving. Not always easy. Um, not You always. have this kind of you have this um, dream of a kind of culture of, of a serving church, don't you? Yeah. Tell us, inspire us with your. Okay. your, your idea. So,
1: um, not that all of you would be aware. Uh, there was a period of time, um, and I won't say I'm absolutely over it, where I did feel I, I, I reached the end, and I was like, God. I I'm, I'm really excited about serving, but maybe in my capacity of service coordinator, I'm getting a bit tired. Um, and at that point, uh, John um, Ayrton, uh, the pastor of the church, uh, was doing some mentoring, offering some mentoring. And I said, actually, this might be a good time to chat it through with him and see what it's like, and maybe decide if I should step down. And I think through discussions with John in the mentoring service and prayer, I actually rediscovered, it's, it's not so much that I was tired, but I, I lost my vision of what I was doing in my serving. And in that, I had this vision of something I just called the serving church, where everyone in the church, everyone who's here, not here, but how we're all engaged in supporting one another, going forth in with and helping each other, so that not a single person in the church ever feels that they're isolated, that they're on their own, or that they're overwhelmed by what they're doing. So any gaps we saw... Where people are struggling, as a church we would be overflowing with volunteers saying, this mightn't be my particular gift, but I can still help you. Um, and it was just something that I thought actually it's something in the stewarding, um, area and it's something more we'll be talking with the stewards. To say, how can we actually, um, become part of the serving church? How can we engage with everyone here and just really serve? So not just do what we're asked to do in the sense of maybe, uh, straighten chairs, welcome in people, take the offering, serve the communion, but actually serve the church, the people itself as well. So that's part of the vision I have in, I'll go into a bit more detail with the stewards on what I might see that play out with. And hopefully through prayer and guidance and in discussion with elders, we might see a bit of transformation in the area that I'm involved in.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, And you're waving a book around. Yeah, I have my microphone turned off. It's my fault. Um, You're waving your book around. do you want to just tell us about that before, you, before I yes. you send you away?
1: <laughs> so this is just a book for anyone who's um, uh, never read it. It's called Serving Without Sinking. Um, if you're involved in a ministry, or not involved in a ministry uh, exactly, but sometimes you feel as a as a Christian, you're a bit tired. You have the work-life balance or the study-life balance, and then there's church on top of it. How does that all tangle into the mix? This is a fantastic book. Um, I, I'm happy to talk to you about it. About about it more and lend it to you if you want to read it but uh, it, it just really helps about looking again on why we serve and it goes back again to the heart of we're serving Jesus not necessarily the physical church not necessarily the uh, organization of the people but God and just really connecting back to that
0: mm. great thank you it is a great book and uh had we had more time we would have spent more kind of time today thinking about some of the themes in it so Thanks, Ardell, um, and uh Lord bless you in all that you do. Uh, right, we're going to carry on, um, and um, we've kind of thought about the serving master. Uh, Ardell talking about washing feet. I spent ages trying to find a, a nice painting of Jesus washing feet, and I forgot to put the slide on. Never mind. Waste of time, isn't it? Um, use it again one day. Uh, so, yeah, we thought about the serving master, uh, we thought about uh, the, the, the the call to be serving the master. Uh, and so, finally, we're going to think about building the body. And, uh, you know, I'm very clearly qualified to speak about bodybuilding. I'm, I'm sure that's quite obvious to everyone. I don't know why there's sniggering going on there. I did go to a gym once, actually, about 18 years ago. Um, but you'll be relieved to know this isn't the kind of bodybuilding uh, we're going to focus on now. We're covering this topic of serving today. Because this series is based around a set of strategic priorities that we want to focus on in the coming years. Uh, and the priority that we're considering this week goes like this. Everyone in the church, that's everyone, all ages, is inspired and mobilized to use their gifts in line with their passions. And perhaps the most helpful place to go in the Bible for this is the picture of the body. We've already seen it uh, crop up in Romans and it's there in a few places. Uh, But among them is is 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to spend some time there now. That's on page 1,153. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in this, so if you want to turn it up, up, then do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, page 1,153, and we're going to start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, page 1,153. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. But all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And skipping over the page to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And uh, there, Paul's trying to make obvious, as if it wasn't obvious already, that that's what he's talking about. That you, brothers and sisters, that you, the church, are the body of Christ. In the Greek, it's emphatic. Now you yourselves are Christ's body. And each of you, for your part, limbs or organs of it. The church of Jesus, it is one body. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are in that body already. It has many parts, many limbs or organs. But but Paul goes on to emphasize how no one person is given all the gifts. And that underlines the importance of the body. In this sense, we're all dependent on each other. The whole body needs every part. Each part needs the rest of the body. None of us is the answer. None of us has the whole package. None of us can live disconnected from the body. We need the work of the Spirit through each other. None of us have nothing to contribute. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts... To each one of us to be used for the good of all of us. And this also helps us to see that comparing ourselves and or our gifts to others can be very unhelpful. You are the part of the body God intends you to be. The Spirit will work what He intends to work through you. They are the parts He intends them to be. The Spirit will work what he intends to work through them. Comparison can be really unhelpful and destructive. And we've seen from this part of 1 Corinthians in recent weeks how the church is to be a body that builds itself up in love. In chapter 14, the, the emphasis is repeatedly on the use of gifts which edify or build up the church. Uh, This is captured in in verse 3 with the example of a gift which, when used properly, speaks to people for their strengthening, their edification, their encouraging and comfort. And this is kind of really what's all going on. This is a major theme. This idea of building up is a major theme in the whole letter. A building theme uh, appears first in chapter 3 where the church, God's people, are described as God's building. A building which is still in the process of being built as God's workers continue to build on on the project of building it up, using the gifts he gives them to build with love until the church is fully formed. So God has designed the church to function like a healthy body. Many different members with different functions, but all working together in the place God has designed each to be in. Fulfilling the function God has assigned each part so that the whole body may be edified, built up, strengthened, encouraged, comforted. Uh, or we might think of a great machine, uh, a machine. Sorry, there's a the body. I'm a bit slow on my PowerPoint today. Uh, or we might think of a great machine. A machine may be made up of many components, many parts, lots of them looking very different. There for slightly different reasons. Some performing similar functions, others performing completely different functions. But all of them there for a reason to perform the function the machine's designer and creator realized the machine for. It's nonsensical and illogical, isn't it, for a tyre to say, I'm part of this car, only to stay behind in the garage when the car drives off. Not only is that plainly silly, and also there's a problem that tyres don't speak, but we'll ignore that one, it also means that a car isn't able to function correctly, as it's missing a tyre, which isn't a great thing for cars to do. So where's your place in the body of Christ? Do you know the place that God has assigned you to? Are you serving in the capacity that God designed you to serve? Playing your part in building the body up? If you are, then I hope you're encouraged in your ministry. As Paul writes later in 1 Corinthians, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, Because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. I hope you're encouraged. Maybe we could all make an effort to encourage each other. If you notice someone serving in a way that appears obvious God has placed them there. And you've observed them using their gifts to build up the body. Why not encourage them by telling them? Maybe you don't know the place God has assigned you to. Maybe you're just not sure how God has gifted you, and where he's designed for you to serve. Well, we want to help you. This is a large part of this strategic goal. That's why we're talking about this. We want to help everyone in the church of all ages to be inspired and mobilized to use their gifts in line with their passions. There are some things you could do straight away. You could talk to God about it and ask him to lead you into serving in that place. You could talk to a friend in the church who knows you well and ask them what they think your gifts might be and where you could serve. And don't be offended or upset if they can't answer straight away. Their answer might be more helpful to you if they've had time to think and reflect and pray before they come back to you. If you're in a home group, perhaps you could ask your home group leader. If you're in a youth group, ask your youth group leader. You could sign up to the Discovering Portswood Church lunch next Sunday. Uh, There you'll find details about the Exploring Portsford Church course, which will be run again uh, later in the summer or possibly creeping into autumn, I guess. Um, And uh, part of that course is designed to help you with just these questions. What are my gifts? Where could I serve? And at the end of the course, if you want to commit to being part of the body of Christ here at Portsford, you'll be invited to discuss where you could try serving uh, within the church community, within the body here. Uh, with the help of, of one of the leaders we'd love to welcome you on this if you're new here or if you've been here for decades but for whatever reason haven't found your place to serve yet in fact we'd love to welcome you on this if you've been around a while and know a strong sense of calling in where you're serving we'd appreciate your input in making the course more helpful And there are other resources you might find helpful. Courses on gifts that have been very helpful for some people. We could talk about those if you're interested. Though I wonder if the best way to find your place in the body is with the help of the body. The people who know you are likely to be able to help you and guide you into somewhere that fits. A place to serve, using your gifts, suiting you as a person and your passions. And by the way, it's okay to just try something. It's okay if you try something and doesn't work out. That's fine. If you're prepared to give something a go and and have it lovingly pointed out to you, uh, that maybe that's not uh, not the right fit for you, then try and see. And sure, there's some areas of serving that we're a little more cautious about, uh, for example, our children's and youth ministries, but we can discuss those and and the reasons behind that and, and work out what trying things could look like in those contexts. But there's so many opportunities to serve at Portsford Church. I'm going to do something which I may regret and list some of those opportunities. If yours isn't listed, it's either because you weren't listening or because I was testing you to see that you are listening. uh, And you can tell me afterwards if I haven't mentioned it. But here's just some of the opportunities Uh, And I'm going to start with some of the teams that we're kind of actively trying to find people for at the moment, just because those are on my mind. You could be serving in the lounge team, our, our students and young adults. You could be serving our student team, on our youth team, and our children's teams. We've got several children's teams where we all need leaders to be serving. Messy Church. We'd love to do more stuff with Messy Church. Great opportunities to reach the community, but we don't have the team we need to do what we'd like to do. Pod team. The other week, there were over 80 children, plus their parents, and not enough people here to talk to them on, on team. You could join in with that. Uh, the worship band, we've been benefiting from their serving this morning already, playing an instrument or singing. The audiovisual team, also benefiting from them. IT support, maintenance team, welcome team. Think of the difference a warm welcome makes uh, and introductions to someone people can connect with refreshments, prayer team, Portsford prayer team out in the community, breakfast club, open door cafe, English classes, our world engagement and action team, communications and media, helping in the office, perhaps with gifts of administration, Cleaning, befriending people, reading the Bible and praying with them or caring for them, making meals for people, pastoral care, service leading or supporting. Ardell's spoken about some of that. Home group leading, other leadership roles, trustees, for example. Outreach teams, Alpha Community Days, table tennis. And I'm sure I've probably missed something off. I hope not. But I may have missed a team off which you think I've mentioned. Uh, If I have, you can shout it out now. Wow, great, that's good. Um, oh, I'm a bit relieved now. Um, either that or you're fuming inside and you're just, I'm not going to say it, I'll tell him later. Um, but of course, you're not like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to convey the kind of breadth and variety of serving opportunities there are within Portsmouth Church alone. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned other opportunities for functioning in the body of Christ within the city uh, whether that's a church project or a Christian union, uh, I'm not going to attempt to start attempting to, to list all of those. But obviously, not all these teams or roles are suitable or appropriate for every person. But surely, there is somewhere for everyone to serve. There has to be. That is how God has designed the body. Of course, things might look different in different seasons of our lives. Of course, we can't serve as vigorously if we're restricted by illness or a body that's just slowing down by age. But that doesn't mean the body of Christ spits us out or sheds us off and has no need of us. Perhaps our role within the body will be just different, but no less needed or valuable. An obvious example of this is the faithful prayer of elderly brothers and sisters who can't serve in the ways they used to, but boy, are they dedicated in praying for us and uh, praying for the community, praying for us as individuals. Uh, I think of a, of a couple who, who used to be kind of you know, full on out there uh, wacky missionaries uh, in uh, outback Africa somewhere, and. But now, their are old age, they can barely kind of move around their tiny flat that they've got. But they don't half pray. And uh, I know this, this lady in particular has prayed for me every day since I met her 18, 19 years ago, whenever it was. Our service might look different, but it's in no means less valuable. You might be functioning healthily in the body. You might not be clear where you should serve in the body, I just want to address a third possibility and that's that you may know pretty well where you could be serving, but you're not you're not serving you're not participating in the body and if you're a follower of Jesus, but not actively participating serving in the body then you are missing out and you're impoverishing the body of Christ in which God has designed a place for you perhaps you're kind of like a, a dead arm, you know, if you kind of sleep on your arm for a long time and it kind of goes a bit perhaps you're you're a bit like that Uh, or an isolated limb but that's a bit more gross Um, but yeah I mean you are isolated you're not only depriving the body of of health and function but uh, isolated limbs don't tend to survive that long that you might wilt and die spiritually are you in the body of Christ or are you not if you're in it then you know that where you are is not a healthy place to be. Please talk to someone about it. Pray with someone about it. See the prayer team later on. Meet up with a leader. Don't stay out there. You know, reading around the situation in the Corinthian church, I came across this quote from Gordon Fee, one of the New Testament scholars, and surprised, summarizing in his commentary on what Paul was um, exhorting the Corinthian church to do, Fee wrote this, and it really stood out to me. They must cultivate loving, responsible relationships in the body of Christ, and their times of public worship must be for mutual edification, not for heightened individualistic spirituality, which in their case had become a false spirituality. Uh, and later, Fee writes, Paul puts his arguments together by insisting that in the gathered assembly, the single goal of their spiritual zeal should be love, which is expressed in the language of building up the church. And reading those quotes, it struck me that there's a strong message we need to hear in all this. We we haven't gone wrong uh, in Portsmouth Church in exactly the same way that the Corinthian church had gone wrong. And yet, is it possible? Is it possible that our hearts might be just as bad? Even if the external symptoms look different, is it possible that for some of us, Our gathering together has become more about me, what I can get, how I or my children can be served, what my worship experience will be like, the me-focused individualistic spirituality, rather than gathering together for mutual edification. That might be as simple as praying on our way to a church gathering, whether that's whole church on a Sunday morning or heartbeat or home group in the week, praying, Lord... Help me to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters today, this evening. Help me to to be one who serves, not just come and be served. Maybe there's a step before that, maybe when we can't even be bothered to go. Uh, We're too tired, too fed up, more interested in comforting ourselves with the television. What difference would it make if we thought beyond ourselves on those occasions and went out and met with the Lord's people anyway for the sake of others, Seeking to be used by the Spirit to bless them and build the body up. this is uh, countercultural in our individualistic culture. Uh, we're kind of saying to be countercultural, not to be thinking about the self, but thinking about the body. And countercultural it may be, but you yourselves are Christ 's body, and each of you, for your part, limbs or organs of it. All of which brings us back to where we started when we think less about what we can get for ourselves and more about what we can give for the benefit of the body, we're being more like Jesus, our serving master. Philippians 2 seems a fitting place to draw this all together. So I'm just going to read from Philippians 2 and then pray. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... And gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Father, thank you that you loved us and sent your son to rescue us. To pay that ransom price for us. To bring us to you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you, even though you're the eternal, almighty Son of God, the Son of Man with all authority, thank you that you did not come to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom. We're humbled and astonished at your humility, your generosity, and your love. Holy Spirit, thank you that you work through each of us giving gifts to us as you work among and through us. Thank you for the many parts of the body of Christ in Portswood Church who modeled examples of how to serve Jesus lovingly, exercising the gifts you give within the body to build it up. Please help those who are unsure to see their place, to see where you've designed for them to serve, to see what gifts you've given to them and the part that you've designed for them to play. And Lord, forgive us where we've made our gathered worship about ourselves and our wants and our needs. Lord Jesus, as our Master who came to serve, please help us to have your attitude and serve you in lives of worship for your honour and the honour of our Father. Amen.